Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, the first Richie Bombolelli episode of 2016, as we discuss, history on fire is on fire, dreams of giant leafy sea dragons, the awesomeness that is Big Bear, a Russian officer who on his day off saves the world, December moving days, survivor's guilt, nice people having fun, all from our fine new Hollywood studio location. Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 80 of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Here we are, 2016, mid-January show, recorded from somewhere back in the past of 2015. Hopefully not too much has changed. And uh, if I can get my digestion sorted here, I'll introduce you to my pal across the way from me, Mr. Daniele Bolelli, the uh, star of History on Fire, the top 10 greatest podcast of the last year. Kicking ass, my man. Yes, yes. Yes. So, a couple of things. History on Fire, yes, it's there. Please download, leave reviews on iTunes. Uh, My latest book, Not Afraid, and latest probably for a while, because after I finish this one, I started thinking, let's take a break here. uh, I'm doing so many other things. I want to make sure I enjoy the process and not feel like a workhorse. So, no new books probably will be out for a while. I haven't even started one, and so by... I'm not even thinking about yeah, it yet. Yeah, but when I remember, there's 47 different idea files. There are, that. there are, absolutely. But, yeah, in fact, I'm tempted. But in any case, Not Afraid, it's out in uh, bookstores if they still exist. It's definitely on Amazon, and there should be an audio version. By the time we release this episode, check out the episode notes. It may be there in the episode notes with a link on where to download and get it if you like the audio version better. Uh, if it's not in this one, it's probably be going to be by this one, the next one. I heard your voice while I was reading it, so it was pretty delightful. Yeah, that should do. Category came up twice and, and oh, came yeah, out category, so it was fantastic. I think the two comments that I've heard the most through the net are, I read your posts or books or whatever in your voice, oh, yeah. and uh, you sound like GSP, George St. Pierre. Those have been the two most common things. <laughs> Our new facility has dump trucks driving by it right now. That's always nice. It's funny. Um, I always follow Guido Sarducci from back in the in the seventies. Right, exactly. I heard that while well, a little as well. Absolutely, Not as much, but yes. <laughs> the um, our t-shirts also. We got uh, number four, the EQ t-shirt, and plus the three previous ones. So if you are interested, there are links in the episode notes if you like to get them. A big thank you to the big three. That's Usara with the coolest stamp gear on earth. He has a new, um, one of the new products are uh, Indiana Jones looking like satchel. Because we, we don't call it a man bag because that's too weird. So we'll, a satchel has a cool name to it that 
Well, it's funny with the talk of all this, uh, the man bags that were and all the, uh, the hieroglyphs and things from Dan, uh, not Dan Connell, but from jo- uh, Graham Hancock. Yes. Perhaps they will be the man Exactly. Bag. They Deep are, from history. They are coming from back. 16,000 years in the past. Yeah. The man bag. But yeah, remember if you guys need a backpack or a computer bag, please always remember to check Latsusara first because they are awesome. Send your kids back to school with them next. I mean, the, the backpacks are fantastic. They are. They're awesome. Because they're already set built for a computer. Yep. And, you know, it's just great. Especially That's what I use. I mean, I literally look like it was a joke. I was packing yesterday because I want to go away for a few days. And, uh, look like you're was, going on maneuvers, don't you? Yeah, and it was everything was Datsusara. Yeah, there's I've the Datsusara the big bag. There's the backpack. There's the computer bag. There's the every single thing. So I love their stuff. I use it all the time. Yeah, and it's held up, man. I mean, yep. I've been carrying all our equipment for almost three and a half years and this stuff, and I had a tassel tear off. Yeah, big deal. It's all good. Yeah. No, it's great stuff. So I, we really, really love it. Uh, Omni tweets the cool wide range of products they offer. The supplements, Alpha Brain being their flagship, but also a bunch of other stuff. Buffalo jerky. Buffalo jerky, yes. All the f- health foods, there's all sort of stuff in there. And the menu is constantly changing. There are new things being added all the time. And the workout equipment. So it's basically three stores into one. All online. Check out on it.com. They've got some sort of t-shirt thing coming out now, too. Oh, yeah. The He's going into a more apparel direction as well. So, yeah, man, it's a constant evolving uh, process. And uh, and Sure Design. Sure Design. Sure Design, by the way, which I found out their sister website, Harem Pants, has become even bigger than Sure Design. Like, has very quickly overtaken short design in sales wow. so it's both short design slash harem pants so all the girls are going to look like mc hammer from 1989 very shortly but it's pretty funny because the name harem pants bennett regularly publish on facebook the emails he gets from insane people who uh, think it's like a muslim plot to take over the universe first they change your pants yeah then they change your mind that's basically exactly what every email reads like so it's hilarious but uh, yeah, so check these guys out. They have been awesome to us. Would be sweet if you can check them out in case you may need your, their products. And of course, our Amazon link. Always deeply appreciated if you can use it. It's only a couple of extra clicks for you. Makes a big difference for us. So I'll be finishing my Christmas shopping with it very shortly. Yeah, that's, that's always a good season. Definitely. Cool, man. Let's get going. Yeah, lots to cover. so close to Christmas, I want to be cautious with the Bible school stuff uh, in case the Santa Jesus wants to punish me even worse than the whippings I've taken this semester. Um, so we're going to, we're just going to do, uh, what is it, the, the Jehovah's Witness Guide to send them on their way? Yeah, it's basically Richard Gordon, who's a drunken Taoist listener. He's the author of several books and uh, he sent me this thing that I thought was uh, quite appropriate. He, some of his suggestions for dealing with unwanted solicitors of the religious kind 
whether Jehovah's Witnesses or otherwise, he strongly encouraged having one of those uh, testicle door knockers on the front door where, you know, the thing that you use to bang against the wall is the bolts of some Greek god or something along those lines. <laughs> That always is a good thing. Nice knockers. Then, but well, speaking of knockers, he also suggested having a girlfriend walking in from the bedroom topless. That's always a good thing. And then offering whiskey, you know, being polite and stuff. But, you know, usually that tends not to go incredibly well with the religiously minded. And uh, last but not least, there was um, his, his theological component comes in with this idea. He says... He said, well, ask them uh, who's our greatest enemy. And, you know, if they've done their homework, they will say the devil, Satan, and stuff. And <laughs> so I say, well, ask them, if Jesus commanded us to love our enemy, uh, isn't that what he said? And they're like, yeah, of course. He's like, oh, and, and at that point you shake hands and you can send them on their way saying, thank you so much for helping me understand that we must really learn how to love Satan. And, uh, but, you know, it flows smoothly from a theological perspective. It just... Um, I don't think that they are going to be coming back sometime soon, but you never know. Or they'll come back with reinforcements. is always a danger. It's funny. Peggy Hill on King of the Hill used to say, I'm not shopping for a new religion today. Thank you so much sure. for stopping by. Send them on their ways. But because of our reduced um, 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 Bible story today, I need to replay the most interesting podcaster in the world, which we uh, put on a couple episodes back, but somebody, me, somebody uh, fucked it up. <laughs> and uh, the first, like, four or 5,000 downloads didn't have it on there. All my fault. I've been moving, folks. And, yeah, and, and, you and, got your reasons. But anyway, uh, so we're going to do a replay of that and then uh, move on into the show. So there you go. We'll get back to that, that troublemaking Bible soon enough. <laughs> let a cop off with a warning for pulling him over. If he botches your name, you would be compelled to change it. The CIA doesn't keep tabs on him because they know better. Ghosts gather around the campfire to tell him stories. He's Daniele Bellelli, middle finger of the gods, and the most interesting podcaster in the world. If Tupac Shakur was alive, no. Tupac is alive, and they're best friends. Children write to Santa in December. They write to Bellelli in June. He's not in a good mood because it's sunny. It's sunny because he's in a good mood. Once Chuck Norris challenged him to a fight in the Coliseum. When Bellelli took his shirt off, Norris realized his mistake and began spanking his own Republican ass rather than facing him. After taking a look at him, Rick Santorum has become a supporter of gay marriage in the hope that our hero will change his sexual preference and propose to him. They say Jesus turned water into wine. Bellelli took one look at Kate Upton's A-cup boobs and made them grow to their present glorious size. 
When Jimi Hendrix sang about standing next to a mountain and chopping it down with the edge of his hand, it was after he had listened to Daniele Bellelli, Middle Finger of the Gods, and the most interesting podcaster in the world. As usual, we were talking from the past, but um, History on Fire episode one is going to be 100,000 hits within, oh, yeah. within a few days. Yeah, by the time this episode releases, it will have passed 100,000. And we're like, is... we're like late December talking out of it, but what a great success. Yeah, man. I'm happy. I'm really happy. And the others I've, are following uh, suit quite nicely. They're rolling up the numbers. It's funny, too, because uh, for I started working on it two years before releasing the first episode. Oh, yeah, I remember. To do all the research. And it became like a running joke because it's kind of like you see somebody that you haven't seen in six, eight months and they're like, How's the show going? what are you working on? It's like, oh, you know, I'm also doing this new podcast. So you have done it? It's like, no, no, it's still not done. It's like, it's the same one that you were working on eight months ago, right? It's a very it's like, important primer process that goes ahead of time, so you got to get... But ready. after a while, you stop believing it. You know, you, you don't even believe it's ever going to happen because after a while, you, you can only say so many times, you know, I, I'm working on it before it sounds like bullshit, right? It's like, you know, it's kind of like everybody has the friend who uh, has been working on his book for the last 25 years. It's and almost it done. We'll never see the light. 850,000 words. Yeah. I'm almost there. It's, so it was, so <laughs> when they finally got it done, it felt so good. And then it was awesome to see the response. I mean, I expected it to do well. I didn't expect it to do this well. So I'm fairly pleased. Well, and as we've seen, you know, these things sort of generate and continue and move on. It's not just like you, you hit the chart yeah. and it's done. People are going to be listening back to these for a long time. No, I'm um, really pleased with it. So if you guys had a chance to check it out, you would be super sweet if you can give me an iTunes review. Those things always help because basically why they help is because they bump you back into the top 10. And when that happens, people when when never heard of the show, they see it and they go, oh, let me check it out. And then you kind of get a whole other set of people coming in. So if you get to, that would be sweet. It was funny too because I noticed... This is my perverted psychology. Every time I finish an episode, I think like, oh man, the previous ones were great, but this one, I don't know about this one. And then you release it and you get good feedback. I'm like, oh, I guess this one was good. And then you start the next one. It's like, no, no, the previous ones, including the last one were great, but this one is not going to work. And it's... I just That's sort of the notion you have to have in any sort of art or a project or anything. I mean, when you get the one done, it's like, oh my God, we did it. Hooray. And it's like, yay. And then the next one's like, well, we'll never be able to do yeah, that Yeah, I again. can't do that again. I no. can't possibly... Pull it but, off again. But yeah, no, I'm actually pumped on some up- upcoming episodes. There's one that I'll do probably at the end of episode one uh, of uh, season one about Caravaggio. Jesus, that's gonna be the fantastic. research on that was just so fun and just writing it. I'm like, that's a badass story if there ever is one. There have to be nutty people who have been writing his story over and over again through history. Yeah. No, it's there's some wild stuff. And that's that's the beauty of history that, you know, if you're not some dried up old academic, history can be epic, can be passion, can be intensity, can be all the good stuff. And that's where... So do you find a book like, oh man, this was written in 1920. Somebody took a sudden interest in Caravaggio or yeah. this was written in 200 years ago yeah. you do you go to primary sources from his times you go from various people who have written about it and each one touches on a slightly different thing that when, just when you thought you had it all and you knew it suddenly you go back and it's like oh man i'm glad i read this book i can see the dan carlin obsession where you know he'll read like three gazillion books for one episode 
because he thinks, oh, what if I, if I miss that one book that would add the other? And it's true. I mean, at one point you need to call it quits and be like, okay, the research is done. I, I could spend the rest of my life reading on this topic, but no, we're well, done. Yeah, it's like when he did that World War Two or World War One one, was it six giant yeah, four-hour yeah, no, chunks? Is, uh, but there wasn't a moment that wasn't like, oh, man, that's amazing. No, no, it's that's the game. But then the other element is once you have all the stuff in front of you, you need to deliver you need to have uh, the way you're gonna discuss it has to be a plus you know the rhythm the delivery the vibe of it all the examples and it's such a small difference between an episode where you knock it out of the park and one where you're like that wasn't bad that was pretty good and i did that with uh, the second episode i um episode two of history on fire i recorded it i did the whole thing and i listen and i'm like it's pretty good Fuck this. I can't have this. You completely recorded that one, didn't you? Yep. Because you I, even uh, sent it to me. I sent it to you, and you were like, no, this is a solid, it's nice. Well, it but, moved. Well, yeah. wait, but weren't you bothered by the like, quality of the sound, too, weren't you? There was a little of that, but also I was bothered by me. Uh, there was something about my delivery that I felt I wasn't going for the big punch. It was an honest workmanlike effort, but it didn't have that epic side to it. So, and then when you were done with it? I did the horrible thing of just putting it in, the, dragging it to the trash icon, press Ooh. delete, Ooh. and be done. I think I saved a copy just in case. And scratch, start over from scratch. But it was awesome because we went, um, went up to Big Bear, spent three days just hiking in the forest, which incidentally I found out the forest close to where I'll go to Big Bear is a playground of a rather large mountain lion. Nice. Yeah, that's always good. In fact, you should see the knives that I go. I mean, not that it would make a huge difference, but it's nice to have some sharp, pointy things to be I between to you and uh, something. But um, when bike riding by the lake, I got to... Uh, I played with this adorable black Labrador puppy, which was the coolest thing ever. Put I rediscover uh, an album, Live Rust by Neil Young, which brought back childhood memories of summer spent with my dad on the Tuscan uh, seaside. Uh, Isn't that amazing how music does that? Because I just stumbled. It was it was um, uh, 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 Jim Croce's greatest hits. Yeah, and that, there's nothing more 1970 whatever than that. But bad, bad Leroy Brown. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, no, oh, it God. brings back my no, music. It will brings you that. right back. And so I was there in like this cabin in this magical place with forest around, going by the lake, listening to cool music. And then at night, we'd sit down and Savannah would take care of the audio and editing stuff. We would record, got 40 minutes in, felt strong, do the same the next night, the next night, boom, episode done. Well, that sounds like that should be the official recording studio for History Yeah, in fact, that's what Savannah was like, let's go every time. I'm like, yeah, I wish, you know, I would like to, but that's that didn't. not impossible. No, it's not. I'm actually going to do the next one in Big Bear, so Hell that's yeah. going to be good. But it felt so good like after I redid it I was like I'm so glad I redid it because I'm so I mean I tend to be fairly conservative when I get something done and I like it I want to keep it so unless there's a huge reason to get rid of it I don't want to do it but uh, this time I'm really happy that I just made the gutsy call and said screw it it's not an A plus. I don't want it. Well, and, you know, it's it not to... that it's not that difficult to re-record. It's a pain yeah. in the ass. It's a pain in the ass. Hey, you'd been through it before. You probably did a better read, having yeah. been aware of what was going on. That makes me wonder with the, with the book, mm -hmm. no fear, available yep. now. 
What were the edit notes like? How cruel are they? What is that like when that comes back? You must have an editor. Yeah, I tend to be... I'm not an easy person to work with when it comes to editing or writing. Well, actually, I take it back. It's kind of... It's true and it's not. Most of my books, I tend to have a... Hey, I gave my first... uh, My best effort was the first one. So minimal editing, you know, it's like stuff where, oh, I forgot the spelling on that word. Or well, I, see, I would up, think uh, grammatically that would probably be the easiest to accept. That's totally fine. You know, yeah, that's, don't make me look like anything. No, that's very helpful and it's great. And but it's they're not up. going after you thematically and things like that. Thematically, I mean, they're suggestions. And really? it's up to you to take them or not. And oh, I regularly... Raise middle finger. And nine out of ten, I don't. And then there's the time where you're like, oh, yeah, they make a good point on this one. And so you take it. But a lot of the times I don't. I have to say that I do. I think it's also easier to. The reason why I don't do it so much with an editor is because I don't know them. We don't have a dialogue. We don't, you know, so when you read on the page, just you should do this. It's kind of like, yeah, how about you do it? No, I'm not going to. Whereas when uh, writing, like when I did screenwriting with Pete McCormick, who's my friend, I got along with him. We get on Skype. We go back and forth. We chat. It's a lot easier to accept because then you understand, A, I trust him. B, I understand his logic. And see if I still feel really strongly that, no, the way I'm going about it is better, then we have a discussion and it usually works out. He'll see it my way or I'll see it his way. And it. So I'm not staunchly opposed to edit stuff, but it is... Uh, so that has to be done with the person in the room. Yeah, and the person that you trust a lot. So some it can be the greatest editor in the world, but if I don't know you, and so there's no built-in trust of a history there, it's going to be very hard to listen the odds are unlikely that I'll be like, oh, yeah, thank you for rewriting my book in this new direction that... I have no interest in. Even nice people gave me advice, I'm not afraid, and I was like, yeah, sorry, can't take it. Like one, <laughs> I'm afraid I can't take that. Yeah, one, uh, one common advice was these are three different books. It's not, you know, there's something about martial arts. There's, there's definitely a shift, about... but I don't think that was a problem at all. I thought the setup was brilliant. I mean, yeah. I love the facing fear and then... Facing fear that you have no control over. Yep, yep, the yep. first section is all about you know yeah. stepping in there and, and what do I do? What, look what I've done to myself. Right. Versus when fucking hell rips open and yep. you got nothing to do but just dangle. Yeah, because and I think that's the kind of stuff that drives publisher crazy though because they are like the way you read it is the way I read it. But the way they read it is like, oh, the first section is a martial art book. It's a philosophy of martial arts. And then the second one is a uh, grief, uh, whatever the fuck. And the third, it's like, so they can't quite label it. That's it's, completely wrong. Yeah. I'm, that's I why think they, I think is, they all belong to you. I thought it was a, a brilliant way you put it together. In fact, I enjoyed the freedom of uh, just doing what I want. And, uh, that's the most important thing, isn't it? And the publisher knows that they're gonna, it's not gonna be a bestseller, but they're gonna sell enough copies to make it worth their while. So they kind of, they are nice to me. They let me do my thing. And, um, and the way I, because that's the problem sometimes with big publishers, you see more money. It's actually a real career rather than this, which is more of a hobby. But at the same time is you have to do what they want to yeah, a large degree. Focus grouped. And so it's uh, old. And I'm like, fuck this. I don't write. I don't write for that reason. I, I, I want to write stuff that makes me happy, that I'm excited about. If it turns into a job, screw it. It's not a job I want. I'll go rob a bank. I like that battery. Yeah, you know, it's like, I'm with you. The, um, but, you know, one thing that was bizarre is that I've, I've been thinking about it because, you know, the coming out of this new book of Not Afraid, 
the new podcast. And I've been looking back, at, and especially because the theme of Not Afraid is all that time around like 2010, 2011, where my life radically changed. And if I look just on paper at what I've done since 2011, there has been this crazy explosion of stuff where, you know, drunken Taoists, we start with that in 2012. Recently with History on Fire, uh, ended up publishing three books because there was 50 things you're not supposed to know religion, create your own religion, now not afraid. So three books, two podcasts, audio series. And you call yourself a man. Exactly. <laughs> As Isabella would say, audio series on Taoism. <laughs> We did uh, the podcast with Mike V, did a little booklet with Mike V, uh, ended up in the I Am Bruce Lee documentary, written a screenplay with my friend Pete McCormick, did, you know, a gazillion podcast as a guest on Joe's, on Duncan's, on all of this. And there's probably more stuff that I'm forgetting. So, I mean, when I look at what I've done... You taught a few classes. Yeah, in all that. But in the last four years, is nuts. Yeah. There's this explosion of productivity, which superficially look like, wow, this is amazing, it's great. And yes, there is something that I'm glad that's, I'm glad of how I channeled it. But obviously, there's a reason why. It's like, why wasn't I doing that before? And why am I doing that now? And some of it, I really think that in some weird psychological way, I feel that all these activity all this creative activity is my way to feel that i sort of deserve to be alive because i think as stupid as that is because to me survivor guilt never made any sense to me and yet as i've been duly informed by the universe it's real whether i think it makes sense or not and still it's what it is you know you if you are super close to somebody and then you see them die for no good reason and you are still around you start, obviously the unfairness of it all strikes you and it makes you wonder, it's like, why the hell it was just a flip of a coin that I'm still alive and they are not? What the hell just happened here? And so there's an element there that you do feel an odd sense of guilt over the fact that you get to be alive, you get to experience things that somebody that you are really, really close to does not anymore. And so in some weird kind of way, I felt the need that, on one level, there's a vitality element. It's like, I need to show that I'm still alive. I need sure. to show it to myself. I'm not, maybe a part of you dies with somebody, but not all of you, that I still need to taste life in all of its forms because I, because you feel they are getting dragged in a different direction. No, so. but I'm, I'm certain it's also the, the, the Saving Private Ryan thing, uh, make it worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Where you absolutely you decide to go that route and you make it worth it. And that's the good side. And that's the sort of, you know, you hear that people, anytime they go through a near-death experience, they usually get hungrier for life. They usually get... One funny thing that I notice is people tend to have three times more sex after a uh, near-death experience because they are craving life in every which way. and it's That's a good craving. But that's an excellent craving, but in other ways too. So in my sort of weird creative thing, like books, podcasts, or anything else, is has been my way to tell myself, look, I'm still here. I'm still swinging punches. I still have a fire inside of me. I still, all of that. But also the other side is that it has been a way for me to keep survivor's guilt at bay in some weird psychological process that I'm aware of, but I find really bizarre. 
it's my way to like if I create something beautiful, it's a way for me to justify the fact that I'm still breathing. You know, it's like, look, I deserve to be breathing. Look what I've done. You know, I, I've put in my quota, master overlord of the universe. Do you see this book? Did you see this podcast? Did you see this thing? I deserve it. I'm, I'm, I'm good, right? Have I done it? Yeah, but you, you, you have the most important responsibility of all, and that's taking care of that daughter. Of course. Life. So that one, I mean, of by yourself. Yeah. You're doing fine, my brother. No, but it's funny how the, the mind play strange games that sometimes we're not even aware of because i mean i look at all this stuff and I'm, i like all of them none of these things were done for like i love every one of these projects and none of them are, have really dark overtones at all i mean of course the new one yeah they're not afraid is a little has, the, has the what are you gonna make a happy version of that yeah yeah okay no, mr course. disney have yeah. at it kill a parent let's see it right the no but you're right and it's um it's interesting though because yeah you can be creating beautiful stuff they are happy with but one of the motivations and it's obviously not the only one but one of the motivations is feel like look does this give me the right to take another breath is that okay are we good with that now or strange our minds are strange strange things wow I just had to take a moment on that one I mean for sure I it was weird. Um, I just got back from packing up my grandmother's store. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't it. I mean, yeah. people have been dragging their feet. My mother had kept it open for years. But with her passing away, she didn't want to do any more. Nobody right. wants to go live on the edge of the world just yet. There'll probably be a time for it. But the more you, I found my grandfather's softball glove. Right. That man pitched fast-pitched softball almost into his 60s. And loved it. And it's like, there that has sat yeah. probably in that position for 15 years. Yep. And, you know, just going through these people's treasures and things and the nutty things that they kept and were important, now it's just sort of flotsam in the wind. Mm -hmm. And people come through and, oh, I like that one. I'm not like, but we'd already been through that so many times. This was really just, all right, there's nothing left to do. Yep. Everybody's taking a piece to remember. Everybody's taking a piece that might be worth something or they could give to somebody. Now it's just time to fucking empty it. And that's what we did. Yes. And when you look at those bare walls on a place that's been, I don't know, between moving out of the old house, because I, uh -huh. I had this sort of same feeling when I went by, I had to go take the garbage out yeah. one more time. But that empty house with oh, yeah. no lights on it and the windows up, and it's, it's a dead house. Yep. The spark and the spirit is gone. And the, the store that had been like the centerpiece, you know, for being an army brat, it was the closest I ever had to a home base. Stable home, right. And to drive past it with nighttime, all the lights are on just to keep it safe, and there's nothing inside of yeah. it. I can't equate it to the devastation you felt, but it's just, like you said, crazy how your mind sort of grasps these weird sort of notions that it does show how quick it all goes by, and it yeah. does show what a gift it is, and it does show you better fucking appreciate it. Absolutely. So I, I expect my five books will be spewing out very shortly. <laughs> <laughs> just crank them out. I mean, it's like, might as well create something beautiful, Might right? as well. Yeah. That's what I've been chasing for 20 years anyway, so... That's fun. And we did get a movie done this year, so hopefully everybody can see it shortly. Nice. And hopefully three more, including a nice trip to Ireland coming up. Hey, when it gets... And then we'll meet in Italy stuff. for the first Italian Milan 
Let's with make special it guest Mike V. Let's make it happen. The, um, by all means, when when everything is done, remind us and let listeners know about what's going on with the movies and everything else. Cause that oh, be we'll give you plenty up to date. I mean, Beautiful. these aren't the epics, but hey, we got one done. And uh, in a world where I think less than three out of 100 actually get finished to get started. Yeah, I know, exactly. It's movie, a miracle. Movie made making is a strange line. business, yeah. so feel proud. I am. And I'm proud of a, a great series of these shows we've done, man. It's been a blast, and it is a new year. So happy 2016, everybody. Let's make it a great year. Fuck ISIS. And um, let's see which clown's going to be our president shortly. I was so disappointed when I saw that the letter that Il Chapo had written to ISIS. You didn't see? No, no, no. Oh, that was a great piece of news. We were talking mid-December here. But there was a great piece of things in the news where Il Chapo had written this text to ISIS saying, Hey... You fucked with some of my shipments. This is going to be the last time that you mess with the Sinaloa cartel business. I'm going to hunt you down. And he was like a Mongolian warlord message. It was so perfect. And like all the networks ran with it. And then like three days later, it turned out that some dude wrote. Yeah, it was an ox. Which was so bad. It was terrible. It was like, yes, the Sinaloa cartel against ISIS. That's like better than a video game. And it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, it wasn't true. So bummed out. All right, on to other things. Isabella moment. So here we go. New adventures. New adventures indeed, but old friends. Um, Jimi Hendrix. It was pretty cool. Like I forget how many weeks ago it was, but I was this discussion where we were just hanging out, having breakfast or something, and I was playing Purple Haze, which I don't believe Isabella had heard that particular Hendrix song. She heard a lot oh, of Hendrix. what a nice little that. gift that is. And um, so I asked her, hey, you, you know who's playing? And Isabella was like with her spoon just eating her uh, breakfast and didn't even bother raising her eyes. And she was like, Jimi Hendrix. I was like, okay, well done. And on a Jimi Hendrix front, it was fairly hilarious. This is more recent that she found out, I guess, talking with her classmates in first grade, she realized that none of her classmates know Jimi Hendrix or Led Zeppelin or Conan the Barbarian. And she was so deeply bummed out. She felt like she felt sad for them. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably more concerned that how are these poor souls going to make it in this world if they're not aware of these important things? I can see that you guys think alike. Absolutely. Because her comment was, word by word, maybe we should adopt them. <laughs> she feel like, you know, we need to rescue them from their misery. It's like, can you believe it? No Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, or Conan? What kind of a childhood is that? No, there's no childhood at all. And so, yeah, she was like, no, we need to do something about it. Their parents are clearly not doing their job. We need to, we need to take over. So will there be Hendrix Appreciation Day at the school very soon? I don't know, but uh, it was pretty funny. It it's, was... it's funny from early on. And, you know, my kids are all grown now, and they've all gone in their kind of wacky ways with what they like to listen to. But... We were very adamant of a, a strong upbringing, Beatles, Hendrix, Doors, yeah. you know, the greats. 
yeah, no, there's stuff that... And also, I don't understand when uh, parents don't expose their kids to the music they like. It doesn't make any sense. Why not? You know, if you loved this when you were 14, their chances are that Black Flag record might be just fine for your five-year-old. Yeah. And this madness of maybe for like one or two-year-old baby in the crib still. Have you seen they, they've taken all these great records and babyfied yeah. them with xylophones and yeah. elevator bullshit, which initially I was like, that's kind of cool. And then it bothered me. It's yeah. like, no, this is not very cool. She has early on, I think her favorite thing of all was reggae music. Yeah. That was just made her happy. I mean, she still liked it, but that was her main thing back in the early days. Reggae was always awesome. Now she's like, if it's not super ultra hardcore, hard rock, or even just punk, she's not. You know, she likes reggae, but she likes the heavy guitars, the headbanging stuff, or just where you go into. Well, it's funny, like, even that stuff isn't as hard as it used to be. I mean, yeah. I remember, like, Motley Crue records in the oh, 80s yeah. was like, oh man, this is the hardest shit ever. Now you listen to some of this crazy like, death uh, metal from yeah. Europe, and it's like, whoa! What they did, were just getting warmed up. What did she hear lately that she dug? I introduced her to Beastie Boys, oh, which was man. pretty cool. They're only, I was kind of like, is she gonna like it? Is she not? And their comment from the back of the car was louder, you know, because of course Beastie Boys has to be played loud. And then she heard um, a Metallica version of uh, uh, the, the musical score that I used for History on Fire, the Ecstasy on Gold yes. by Ennio Morricone. This was done by Metallica. Oh, did they re record it? Because uh, they used to just use the, the regular one as, 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 as the open. Oh, they before did? they came on stage. So really? they, they've done a recorded no, version No, no, they recorded own? it with guitar and oh, everything. There's a that. version in Copenhagen where they are, there's a live from Copenhagen and she's, uh, she loved it. Oh. She thought it was great. So, but that's one of the greatest pieces of music. I mean, he's a genius. He absolutely is. Yeah, that, that one, there are several of those songs that are just brilliant. Since we're talking from the past, today for me is Star Wars Day. Eight Ooh. o'clock, I'll be scooting into my local cinema to check it I out. Know. And it's funny, I can't wait to hear this new John Williams score. It's going to be genius so, again. And the other cool part is J.J. Abrams, big Beastie Boys fan. Uh-huh. So one of the characters' names, one of the pilots' name is Elo Asti. Oh, that's funny. And on his pilot, on his on his helmet, written in Star Wars language, uh, license to ill. Oh, that's awesome. That, yes. was, that was their... Yeah, that, that what was a, a great, great touch. Character. Yes. No, that's genius. The, um, I don't know how to feel about the whole Star Wars thing. And again, maybe by the time this episode airs, I'll have taken the plunge and gone to see it. Because... I love the original trilogy. Yeah. And then I watched the first movie of the second one and I was done. I was like, nope, over. That's it. Did I, you, did I you was, see the rest I was seven, of the... I was seven when the first one came out, so there was no hope for me. Right. I mean, permanent devotee. Yeah, no, it's... So this... The first one was great. The what? first one was great and, and, the, and the early words are, you know, 94% fresh and everyone's saying the magic's back and... J.J. Abrams, who somehow brought Star Trek back around quite nicely. Can do it with Star Wars. What happened with um, like four or five, the, the, the second trilogy? Did you get anything out of it? Hated or? them. Hated them all. Yeah. Um, I didn't it's, see it's them It's the truest with. nightmare. Whenever you see written and directed by, unless it's James Cameron pulling off a magic trick or something like that, usually it's a disaster. Um, and if you're talking produce, written and directed by, where nobody can tell you no or nobody right. can, then you're fucked. Did you end up with this vision that was just... Did Lucas did it? Yeah. Is that the he, second one? He did it himself top to bottom. And that's the greatest... Yeah. It's the, the greatest way to make a terrible, terrible movie. Because I mean, the was, beautiful thing about yeah. movies 
it's so collaborative. I mean, right. the actors bring the characters to life. The director figures out how he wants to tell the story, and the right. editor sort of brings the rhythm and the life to it, and, and rescues performances and things yeah. like that. There's so, but then all the way down to like the costumer, you know, or if the lighting's not right, there's no way to make a movie look shitty quicker than bad lighting. Yeah, and those guys, I mean, at least, you know, the second Star Wars trilogy, they did a good job in terms of the visual. You know, visually was good. State it was of the old, art but, was gorgeous. But, uh, I mean, just when you give me fucking Jar Jar, really, it's like, I'm done. Yeah, there's you don't no... need some step and fetch it dude to tell a Star Wars movie. And no. it was like, he dumbed it. And then, now there's a lot of talk, like, supposedly the, the end of The Return of the Jedi. Uh-huh. We, we are nerding out. This is excellent. Yeah. Um, Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote it, and actually wrote this one too, but he also wrote the Indiana Jones movie, mm-hmm. so yep. I have high hopes for all that. Um, supposedly it was supposed to be a dark ending. Not everybody standing around with the little teddy bears and huh. dancing and singing. That Luke split. Huh. He burned his father and vanished because he knew he had to disappear. And they took that out because lots of leanings towards, you know, the guy who was in white in the first movie and right. dingy brown in the yeah. second movie, shows up in black in the third movie. The Emperor himself says, you know, your trip, if you take me on, your trip to the dark side is complete. It's pretty much written right. that the guy whose father is Darth Vader may have some leanings. He's afraid it's going to affect toy sales. Well, and so also, they put this I mean, cheesy bullshit, you know, Empire Strikes Back was depressing enough that I think if they did it with another movie, people would have just shot themselves. You kind of needed the uplifting. Well, you know, they blew up the Death Star and everybody's happy. Yeah. And, and I'm with you. I mean, that's a tough one. It would have been a tough pill to swallow, but I mean, in, in true storytelling and in, in true uh, Joseph Campbell style. <laughs> Can you, you imagine know? had they given it to. Uh, Oh, uh, the, the Game of Thrones? Yeah, George R. R. Martin. And it's like, Everybody would have been dead. All the Hewoks get burned in this... Uh, and I'm sure there's got to be some sort of major spoilers coming up. I mean, they... Right. But it seems like they got the right people on it. Kathleen Kennedy, probably the greatest okay, movie okay. producer. Okay, okay, you convince me. It's going to be worth I'll it. It's going to be beautiful. I'll it's going to be fun. Out. And Izzy will have a blast. And you know, speaking of movies, if you guys haven't caught them yet, I haven't seen them because they haven't come out by the time we're recording this, but they will be out by the time we release this episode. The two movies I want to see, uh, Tarantino. Oh, uh, I just saw a great interview with him. I can't the wait. The Eightful Eight. Yeah. That's, uh, it's Tarantino. I got to watch it. Well, and he hired real people, you know. They're like gritty, like nobody, like all the stars are in their 50s. Right, right, right. So that's kind of cool from the beginning, you know. They're not all prettified. And... Got to see that one. And the one that I'm really excited about is the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Oh, my God. Uh, the Reverend. Revin, Revent. Rev- it's like it's, the it's weirdest word, title word. ever because it's a word that yeah nobody used in the English language. It exists in the vocabulary, but it just nobody use it. No, they suffered to make that film. But yeah, now that's is that is that Iron Liver Eater? Yeah, it's the one that we did cover in an early episode. No, actually, it's not that guy. It's not Liver Eating Johnson. Is another story that we cover right after that, which is uh, Hugh Glass, who get left behind in the Black Hills after a grizzly attack him, and they leave him for that after stealing oh, his gun man. and all this stuff. Now, from what I've seen in the previews, they are seriously embellishing the story. Oh yeah, they the sun him, and uh, all that sort of yeah, stuff. exactly. All this stuff, that, your, but have that's your fine. Gladiator and, moment going there. Yeah, and he look awesome. Well, the cool thing about that is no artificial lighting. Yeah. It's all lit by campfire or moonlight. or wow. And that's the guy who did Birdman, so he's fearless. 
I was talking with Pete McCormick, we, we had as a guest on the podcast in the past, and he watched the trailer. He, he took one shot where he just posed it and he said, you see this shot here? This thing right here just cost more than my entire cinematographic career up until this point. Oh, yeah. It's... Yes. No, it's wow. This easy movie corner is brought to you by. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We departed from the Isabella. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait for either of those movies. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun uh, Christmas season. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you'll see Star Wars. It's. um. No, it sounds okay. It's iconic. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got to see it. And I, and I showed Isabella the first trilogy, so I have to now take her to the. Oh, yeah. And it'll drop right in. You shouldn't even need to see the terrible Yeah, yeah exactly. No, those three are. Yeah. No, it's like you said, incredible. You know, the money on that screen at that moment is. Yep. But when your story isn't there, no, it's. It's. I've been told. I've been out here for ten years now, fighting the Hollywood fight, and uh, one of the earliest lessons I learned: a, don't spend your own money, but b, if it's not on the page, it will never be on the screen. Did you see uh, both of the three hundred movies? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the first movie. I really dug it. Super fun. I mean, it's nothing to do with history, but who cares? It's a no, great epic. Stylistically it's cool, and the... and the writing is fucking awesome. Yes. I mean, there are so many lines in the movie that are really just beautiful. And the second one just felt brutal. And yeah, the second one is as all the elements, you know, the muscle are guys flying around, swords, this, that. It's cool visually, but there's the epic is gone. You know, there's none of that same. And without the epic, I just don't care. No, you and don't care. Like, um, if, there, if you don't have somebody to root for, you know, it's another very movie thing. We've got to get Paul in here to do an interview yeah, eventually. Seriously. But a very cinematic thing. If Within the first six minutes, you haven't hooked on to somebody that's yep. going to be your champion through this. You know, good guy, bad guy, doesn't matter. Yeah. You're yeah, not, you need to have interesting characters. You, you need to care. You've you got to, to care. If you don't care, it doesn't matter because then you go, eh, it looks like there's some dust on the sill there. And, and, well, since we're going down a movie rabbit hole, uh, have you been watching The Walking Dead or no? I've seen many seasons. I haven't seen this season. I've seen everything up to this season. Oh, okay, cool. And did you see the, the spin-off, Fear the Walking Dead? Yeah, it was kind of slow moving for me, but I did watch it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I the had torture fun and the anyway. cop thing was kind of fucked up. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I had fun with it anyway. I thought, it, it, once it got revved up, it was just sort of like, like that, that family is hard to grab onto. You know, That's exactly. You introduced nine people. Yeah, and in, none of them are likable. Exactly. Yes. I like the little blonde zombie the best, you know. Yeah, no, I know it's tricky, and that's what I mean. Is like you can have great stories, but if you don't care about the characters, there's a problem there. Because then, if you have somebody in the audience who's thinking, "Why am I watching this again?" Yeah, it's a cool shot. Yeah, it's well directed. Yes, it's but. If there's no engagement, what's the point? No, and as far as Walking Dead, I worry about Rick all the time because he definitely lost his mind. Oh, yeah. I, I, I left it when they came to that, that encampment where he kind of took over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the governor, He's, but a couple yeah. of seasons after that. And that was very interesting. And then he got the hell beat out of him for some reason. I guess he was trying to save some dude's wife, and he didn't want her saved. And Yeah, no, it's uh, it, gets, it gets pretty wild, but I dig it. In any case, let me throw out there one last Isabella thing. Yes, yes, bringing you all the way back around. Full circle. <laughs> Um, I took Isabella to have ice cream at the place where we often go, and there was this old Armenian gentleman, probably in his 80s, like, he's, you know, lived a long life kind of guy who lives in the neighborhood, and because he's probably born at home by himself, he goes uh, out to the ice cream shop, he buys his ice cream, and he sits there for hours, just kind of people watching. Sure. And he seemed like a really sweet man, you know, as this big, bright smile. He seemed just like the, the sweet old grandpa kind of thing. And uh, Isabella just saw him and she just decided, 
promptly nobody told her anything she just ran up to him and decided that he was going to be her new friend so they started talking and the dude was like couldn't believe his luck because he lives you know he's like really and he was super happy she started bringing her toys to him and they sat down and like you know they spent an hour chatting playing with her toys cracking up they just had this the dude was beaming he was as happy as he could be isabella was all happy she's also like if she likes you she lets you know like she's uh, she gave him a hug and she's all talking about and she just engaged with him non-stop for an hour everybody who walked in would look at them and they would it was like it made everybody happy kind of thing it was one of the scenes that uh and i really like this about her that she can be all tough and feisty and all intense but then at the same time she can be ridiculously sweet and in this case, it was one of those ah uh, moments where everybody look on and they're like, man, this is the sweetest thing I've seen in a long time. Old folks homes meet daycare centers. I've been saying it. It's all about the community yeah. stuff you guys are talking about. It's funny. There's a, um, uh, I can't think of the name of the cats right now, but they, they're doing these uh, these uh, churches without gods uh, uh, just uh, as meeting places for oh, folks yeah, yeah. sort of blowing up. Yeah. That may be yeah, kind of down your aisle as well. The but community stuff, yeah. I, you know, I've just discovered in the past few days when we, we had to we had to rent a trailer mm-hmm. and our it was like a six by twelve, so it was the size of our Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah. It's a pretty serious thing to be pulling. And as we got to some hilly country in Cambria, the pin came loose. Oh. So we were sliding with that thing on. Luckily, the guy had chained it up perfectly. Wow. But it was slinging back and forth. Oh, yeah. Mountainous, you know. You can't slam on the brakes. You've yeah. got to ease it down, you know. So for a good, you know, two minutes, it that's was sketchy. super sketchy. Yeah. But that same guy, you know, so I had to pull off, unhook the thing, set it to the side, and then drive back and, and get the assembly again. I don't know, cotter pin could have been right. snapped. Who knows what it was? We had it, and he obviously saved us by chaining it correctly. Yeah. But back up two hours earlier, it was moving day for Cal Poly, so everybody, every bro in the world was, where's my fucking yeah, truck, dude? Course. Why am I not first in line? And all this sort of, And uh, there's no greater moment to blast sunshine on somebody than that. When everybody's being shitty to him. Just be kind and yeah. understanding and patient. Mm-hmm. God couldn't this planet use a giant dose of patience. We live fat and happy, and, and this is what we, you know. Anyway, so the payback was, did he charge me for another pin and all that shit? No. It was no, me, awesome. and he's like, oh, my God, I'm glad you guys are okay. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Here's this and yeah. that. And, you know, if you guys have any trouble, call us. Because that's the way to handle shit, man. Absolutely, man. And it's something, it's uh, rewarding to a great degree when you see people who can be nice to each other and be happy. I'd much rather make new friends. I mean, new in Oxnard now. I met the basketball coach of the high school team was nice. getting Chinese food. So definitely chat with that guy. Yeah, and in the not? same you know moment, there's two Bales Bondsmen coming in and knowing they're not coming for me. That's always nice. Strike up another chat and right. just... yeah. Why do we... The shittiness must end, man. Well, and it does. I mean, I'm going to use it actually as a cover for this episode in the picture in the episode notes. I'm going to use the picture of Isabella and the old Armenian dude. Yeah. They are so cute. They're just adorable. You see the picture and they are just nice people having fun. One is a guy who kind of speaks English, but not that much. And they managed to spend an hour talking to each other, getting along famously and... It was awesome, you know. One is like six years old, the other one is probably 86 or something, and it's... Well, this is everybody's assignment for the new year. 
lighten the fuck up. Yeah, that's always a good policy. Yeah, this is this is sweet, precious time we have here, yeah. and and why we use it bitching and whining. If how many how many people we run into a day that have actually gone hungry, yeah, you know, have yeah, actually exactly. suffered in any way at all, and oh, the internet's slow. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? You know, since we're going on crazy tangents, you know, there is really like yeah, so much for Isabella Momo. We're going everywhere. Yeah, we've gone everywhere. One that I want to bring up on that that I had that effect was um, I've gone up a few times to Big Bear. Yes, oh, they had nice snow. I saw just the other day. Yeah, it's awesome. And one thing that drives me insane is that there's a fairly high percentage of methods oh, up there ruining it. And to me, I'm thinking, let's take a time out here. You live in fucking Big Bear. It's paradise everywhere you turn you go for a hike and you have this beautiful forest there's an amazing lake there's like the air is so much cleaner than like the whole thing is so unbelievable and you are bored and decide to do math because that's essentially what happens with a lot of the kids i'm just like what the fuck are you bored about i mean it's like this is i understand you know you grow up in some shitty place or you are abused or you are whatever you know you got reasons to say you know what i want to check out for the next six hours I want to shoot up something or anything, you know, whatever kind of drug in whatever form or snort or in any format that takes me away from this shit for six hours. Well, I get it. You know, maybe you have reasons. It's not the best plan ever long term, but I can understand why he can can do that. But when you have, when you are surrounded by beauty everywhere, really, you think that's a good, that I find bizarre. I just... I fear for our society for that very reason that you've got so many people that are strung out on these painkillers, all these oxys. Mm-hmm. Now they can't afford them anymore. And it's cheaper to switch over to heroin or something sure. like that. Of course. But we won't do anything to help the heroin addicts. All right. Yeah, no, it's a strange, vicious cycle right there. It's just beyond terrible, you know? But, and, yeah, crazy shit. In any case, let's uh, wrap our long loops yeah, the, 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 and uh, <laughs> let's jaw. <laughs> We gotta get out of this one. All right, we're out. Bye. I have a dream today. And now we cross the Ethereum plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. My dreams continue to get crazier and more complex. Do tell about your dreams. My latest adventure, I was um, on some sort of giant processing ship. Uh-huh. Uh, the crew was Norwegian. They had been fired off of some kind of cruise ship. Okay. I think it was Chinese or South Korean owned. Uh, couldn't communicate with the people in charge. Yeah. But my job was to literally snorkel down a couple thousand feet, easy, and pull leafy sea dragons, which are cute little wee uh, uh, friends of our uh, of a, um, a seahorse. Right. But these were like 500 feet long. Of course. And you grab them by the neck. You have to bring them, swim them back up to the ship, and throw them back up. Because uh, they were processing them, apparently make somebody's peckers hard or something. We had to have these. And that was, uh, it was like, I was ensconced in this like fully, like whole wow. other life almost. That That's what I did every day. I went swimming for leafy sea dragons to bring them up so these guys could chop them up on their processing ship and send them out to the world and it was so incredibly detailed all the way to like you know yeah, the yeah. crew we take it where we told we do you know, why we take it we do not know you know it was insane it was so unbelievably detailed and all of it came out normally like i'd have something equally as crazy i always 
Whenever I'm dreaming full blast, I call it building the submarine. Is what my wife tells me. Right. There's conversations and important things going on all night long. I was about to ask, has this been uh, influenced by a cons- excessive consumption of alpha brain? But forget alpha brain to this level. We're talking straight up mushrooms to. I, get and to don't this. I wish, man? No, yeah. there's been nothing like that. I mean, there's been the tons of stress of, of moving and all that sort of stuff. But, but all straight from your imagination. Wow. All straight from it. It was incredibly detailed. Or maybe you are in a parallel universe. Well, I'm starting to think, you know, they do say merrily, 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 life is but a dream, so maybe this is the dream, and it's back to the fucking... The schwanz and the butterfly. Exactly, back to the sea dragon. Wow. Um, Anyway, so if you need any leafy sea dragon, uh, on it is going to start producing. (laughs) That's what's going to happen next. Sea dragon, uh, leafy sea dragon essence. Wow. And if you've never seen a leafy sea dragon, you owe it to yourself to uh, hop on the internet and check it out because they're quite delightful. That's wild. Anyway, well, dreams are awesome. No, I'll, I'd buy a, I'll bow out on this. This dream is just... Your dream is too weird. I cannot compete <laughs> this month. So I'll, we'll let that be the dream. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed it and there'll be plenty more down the road. Time for story time, everybody. Brought to you by our friends at Sure Design T-shirts with happy nipples for a happy planet. Bennett, hello. Here's another story for you. This is a wild one. This is a crazy one. This is the story of a man. Who, um, how can I put it in a way that doesn't sound overly flamboyant and yet I keep it real? Probably at least half of the people on Earth owe their life to this guy maybe more, and nobody knows him, which makes the whole thing even weirder. No, I mean, he's semi-known. He has his wiki page. That's about it. Stanislav Petrov. So here is the context of this story. Early 1980s, uh, the Cold War is still in full swing, and actually things are heating up. Reagan just launched his Star Wars program, uh, it's 1983 to be precise. The Pope is very anti-communist at this time and kind of joining up with Reagan. There's uh, and to make things worse, the um, the both the United States as well as NATO decided to put a bunch of missiles on uh, in uh, Western Germany while they were planning for one of the biggest uh, military operation. Not operation in the sense it was an exercise. It's a military Wargy. exercise exactly in Europe. Now, here is the problem. In the Soviet Union, they were a little scared that the war game, that this military exercise was a cover for a real attack on them. They also remember all too well when Hitler had tricked Stalin during World War II to launch an attack under making it look like he wasn't. So they are tense. You know, this military exercise that messed them on the, on the edge. I think I also heard that anybody born in 1920 in Russia, of the males, 87% of them were dead by then. Jesus. Sure. They did not survive heavy. World War II. Yeah. So you get that. They, they are a little tense, to say the least. So they are war. And the tension is such that at one point on uh, September 1st, 1983, there's a regular commercial plane from South Korea makes the mistake of crossing into Russian airspace and they promptly get dropped, killing 269 people, you know, a yeah, bunch of them. So that's 
pretty bad. Um, there were quite a few American citizens in that. I, if I'm not mistaken, there was even an American senator on the plane, which would make the whole thing even sketchier. So the US and Soviet Union are as close to a bad deal as they've ever been since the Cuban Missile Crisis in the 1960s. Yeah. So here is what happened. Fast forward almost a month, September 25th, 1983, and uh, one officer in the espion military espionage service uh, within the Soviet Union is called in to work because his colleague is uh, got sick. So it was supposed to be his night off, but our good man Stanislav Petrov is called in to work to take over for his uh, for his colleague was sick so he walks into work and under the file good thing that the colleague was sick because the decisions that petrov will make will change the world literally that night he doesn't know it as he's walking in but they will so his task is to try to analyze and verify all the data from the the satellite monitoring all the movement from a possible american nuclear attack and i mean that's the most boring job on earth because basically every single day nothing happens and you go home and that's where it's at right so it's like but it needs to be done it's important so problem is shortly after midnight all the sirens go off ew, 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 and on the screens pop up that the Americans just launch a nuclear missile against the Soviet Union. And so everybody in the room, he and a bunch of, like, there are hundreds of officers in the, working in this place, they all freak, because that's the one thing that I've been waiting for the last 40-some years since the Cold comes. War began, and it looks like it's beginning. Oh. So they're like, okay, okay, come on. Uh, bad things can happen. You know, it doesn't make any sense for the United States to send one missile. You know, if they're going to do it, they're going to drop a bunch. They're not sending one. You know, they're not that stupid. So so he decided, no, okay, maybe it's a false alarm. You know, let's, let's all come down here. It's not nuclear war. It's probably a false alarm. Let's go through the whole thing because nobody sent one missile. What were they saying in that moment? Was it a launch detection? Is that what they thought they yeah. saw? Okay. Problem is... Another minute goes by. Oh, there's a second nuclear missile. Oh, no, wait, there's a third. And another minute later, fourth and fifth. It's not just one nuclear missile. Now it's a real attack. It's the United States is bombing for real. These missiles are flying. They have a time range of about 20 minutes to hit in the Soviet Union. So from the time the first one goes, there's a 20-minute window in which you got to decide what to do. Supposedly, he needs to inform his superior... And supposedly what's going to happen is that they're going to tell him, press the red button, hit them them back. Exactly. And that's... And he's like sweating bullets, as you may imagine, because he somehow, for whatever reason, he does not believe that it's a real attack. He say, come on, even the Americans cannot be that crazy. It's like, you know, they know they were going to strike them back. Why, Why would they do that? He does not believe that they would do that. And he goes back and forth... And he keeps saying, no, look, let's keep going through the data. Let's keep looking at what we're doing here because I don't, I don't feel comfortable pressing the damn red button. I'm not 100% sure. It's getting a little closer to what I would like that it looks like a nuclear attack. Wow. But I'm not. And there's 120 other military engineers and officers standing around him waiting for him to make the call on what to do, you know. And uh, literally, probably, there's never been a time in the history of the world in which the destiny of 
Everybody. billions of people depend on one man's decision. Whoa. This is where this one guy wasn't supposed to be at work, was supposed to have his night off, is there in the position to, do I press the button or do I not? Once again, right where he needs to be when he needed to be there. Yeah. Is this guy still alive? Is this guy is still alive. Now, had he made the wrong call, within a few minutes, he would have been obliterated along with, you know, explosions way bigger than Hiroshima and Nagasaki would have come in. And, you know, they start counting the minutes until the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, all the alarms go off and the system reset and they don't show any nuclear missiles in the air. And it looked like some kind of a glitch took place. And, Computer playing a little joke. Yeah. Fun, isn't it? And Whoa. everybody's sweaty like crazy. They just all hug each other. They jumped up. They pick this guy up and proclaim he's a hero because he's like, they can't. The dude literally just open his drawer, pull out a bottle of vodka because we're in a rush That's after standard. all. Downs half a liter in one sip because he just cannot. And then after that, he's going to go to sleep for 28 hours straight because he's just so emotionally drained by the whole thing. Now, the... The Soviet Union doesn't want to let this... The fact that one fuck-up in their system could have led to nuclear warfare, they decide, good job, thank you for doing that, but maybe we don't want to talk about it that much, you know? So they uh, decide, they send him on an early retirement, off you go. He gets his pension of a whole $200 a month nice. from that point forward and lives in like some shitty little place on the periphery of Moscow in total solitude and nobody knows him and so on. Until eventually, like in 1998, his superior officer decide to, you know, the Cold War is over, it's done and the whole thing is done. So he decides to talk about it. They bring it up. They go look for this dude who's still living in abject poverty in the... Um, and, wow. you know, he got, he was finally recognized for what he had done and everything. But literally you, everyone listening to the podcast right now, you owe your life to some Russian dude that you had never heard of, probably, who wasn't supposed to be at work, who went against what standard protocol was supposed to be, which was inform launch your, in launch it and at bare minimum you need to inform your superior and, you know, let them decide and... And instead, he made the right call, and everybody's alive thanks to him. Well, cheers to that cat. Yeah, that's a wild tale right there, to say the least. You wonder how many of those exist, too. Because I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've seen 13 Days. That no, was there's probably more that we don't know about. I want to take it. I'm guessing, you know what, I don't know. Somebody sent me the story. I think it's a good old Emanuele Carnevale sent it to me, who has been helping me with all the web part of History on Fire. Maybe somebody else did. Whoever did it, thank you so much, because this is a badass story. And I think I heard something like this at some point, but I really didn't know it well or even like to this detail. That's a hell of a story right there. <sighs> Stanislav, way to go, buddy. Indeed. Well, it's been a little while. It's time to reach deep into the digital mailbag and see exactly what's hanging out for us, what questions and queries that have come via the interwebs. What do we have this week? We have uh, a sweet man who decided that he wants his name withheld. Um, he's asking a question about essentially getting dumped. And after being in a solid uh, relationship for quite a while, 
when suddenly you don't see that coming, you get dumped and you're trying to get the ground back under your feet and figure out what to do, how to respond, how to, you know, how... How long of a relationship? Uh, we're talking like, I think, two to three years. Yikes. So solid enough that it's... Um, this one's going to hurt. Yeah, that is meaningful. So, okay, getting dumped. Let's go play. I'll tell you a story. Um, this is my first relationship when I was 16 and how things did not pan out eventually in a way that um, was nasty. I mean, it's like, I don't mind, you know, people change and you move on and you do different things. Totally understandable. Nothing wrong with that. You know, it's perfectly natural that you click for a while and then you don't. Or some, you know, million things can happen and that's fine. And there there needs to be no bitterness. There needs to be no screw you. It's well, especially like, that age. Everybody's yeah, just warming well, up and trying things general, out. But this one was bad, you know. It was bad on multiple levels. So I was angry i was mad i had this just inner rage in me that i was just like mm, burning with so what happened in the span of just a relatively few days that made me think that maybe that was not the best way to handle things ever so first i decided to channel my pent-up rage by going to play basketball with my friends which was always a mob experience because basketball was uh <laughs> kind of like more punching than throwing the ball into the hoop. There's a lot of just elbows flying. And uh, my approach to basketball has always been heavy physical contact. That's the nature of the game. <laughs> and what happened in this one instance, we were playing outdoors on some shitty uh, court where the ground was not the best I've ever seen. And I took a dive on a loose ball just to catch it. And I slid on like what essentially were like I want to say it wasn't just concrete, like smooth concrete. It was kind of like the one for like when you just pave the road when it's kind of grindy. Right. And so I slid and just open up my elbows where like I still have scars to this day and blood everywhere. But it's the beginning of the of the game. I don't want to stop. I'm just all pumped up. So, you know, I keep playing until, you know. Everyone will wear my blood. That's exactly what it was. Like, everybody's shirts is covered in my blood. Eventually, I get kicked out of the game when one guy is trying to look at his watch. Because, yes, believe it or not, people still wore watches back then. And he's, he cannot read the time because there's too much blood on top of the, his watch. So he can, And so my blood has been just spread throughout the court everywhere. <laughs> and finally, they're like, dude, that's gross. You need to go. This was also, by the way, in pre-AIDS paranoia where people were not so hardcore about the whole HIV stuff. So blood didn't freak people out as much. So yeah, I get, there I, was a time for sure. So I got kicked out by uh, the game and I'm mad. <laughs> and you know, I see the bus at the bus stop and it's uh it's the last stop is where they stop for like 10 minutes before they start up their round again and i make a run i see it from like 300 yards away and i'm like oh it's there i might as well make a run to make sure i get it i get within about two yards of the door and the guy closes the door right in my even face. watching you and i was just like so i politely knock and he ignores me oh. i politely knock again and he ignores me and at that point, I just threw the hardest kick ever through the door of the bus. 
the guy get pretty mad. Yeah, that'll get you a ride. Come out with a giant iron stick that he was keeping probably just in case. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to take that stick and shove it up your ass. You could have just been polite. And instead, why did you have to be such a dick? In that moment, his colleague from the other bus is arriving with another giant iron stick. So I decided maybe it's time to bail. So I bailed from that. So that was one day. And I got to walk. Right. Yes. That was one day. Day number two, I have uh, the... Um, actually, all of these are basketball related. It's interesting. I think really basketball was my way to try not to go crazy over the failed relationship. In one, I am um, playing basketball. And it's funny because in a lot of basketball courts in Italy, you have uh, people who like to play soccer, who want to use that space. So what they do is they go at night, they hang from the hoops, they rip them off. So then you can't play basketball anymore and they can play soccer on that same field. So I'm playing basketball and I hear these four guys who are just tossing a soccer ball around on the side. And one of them is all talking shit and saying now he's, uh, I'm going to come back here tonight and uh, destroy that fucking hoop. And I just, I grab the ball, I put it down. I just walk in the middle of these four guys. I just grab this guy by the throat. And I was just like, what the fuck did you just say? And it turns into this crazy. So I was like, okay wise decision that yeah like go one on four that's always and i think they thought i was especially without your skateboard yeah and i, th I think they thought i was too insane to oh, yeah. to bother with so they were just like kind of scared i was sort of scaring myself because and i was i was a tiny dweeb you know i wasn't i've never been that big but even then i was probably even smaller so i was like but the hoop was there the next day wasn't it yeah it was still there yeah. and uh, i think he was kind of like okay this guy is clearly insane they may have and actually been there protecting uh, it that night to make sure right. <laughs> Dude, it happens tonight they're coming he's coming for us yeah that, that was basically my message <laughs> and um and then on another day, I go play basketball, and I decide it's a good idea to just contest a rebound with some dude who's probably 260 pounds. And we jump, and we meet in the air, just body against body as we struggle for Physics it. Physics would dictate you're not going to win that battle. Physics dictate that I fly backward, I land on my back on the concrete floor. And after that, I was like you know what, maybe I need to figure out a different way to handle my post-relationship grief because this is not working well for me. So we're not recommending any of these to our friends. So no, do not do any of this stuff. It is no good. Now, I think what I would actually would recommend is this. Is, um, I mean, getting lost in bitterness about what it was, uh, whether you have reasons for it or not, it's useless. You know, why, why bother? It's, it's done. It's over. There's nothing. Yeah, chasing it down and trying to rekindle it is never going to happen. No. and It's funny. My worst breakups are always my fault. Are they for real? Or oh, yeah. They, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like really terrible behavior that got me exactly what I deserved. So there's nothing you can do in that case but just ponder, well, perhaps moving forward. Yeah, that's wise. No, I tend to have the whole, uh, hey, I didn't do shit. Well, what's wrong with that? But still, the point is, yeah, if you really need to go over it, give yourself a day to bitch about it and mope and feel how you are right and all of this is unfair. But ultimately, it's not going to help you. So what I would put the focus on is, uh, if, especially because in a lot of relationships, you have to make compromises to make sure things work. You have to, you know, things that maybe you cannot dedicate quite as much time to because 
now is you are completely because you are on your own you are completely free to do whatever the hell you want so the emphasis at that point is on figure out what are the things that feed you what are the things that make you happy what are the things that you know this is the moment to put the foot on the pedal of excitement of finding things that are designed to uh, reinvent your life now in some way you know to try to figure out your own approach to me that's where it's at is uh, i don't know if you recall like those times in your life where suddenly something is changing radical in your life whether in my case would be like move to a different country or yeah you get out of a longer relationship or something that whether you like it could be a good change it can be a bad change but it's a dramatic change of some kind and in that moment you realize that you can focus on what you have lost but you can also focus on that mystery of what the hell is gonna happen to me in six months and rather than being scary, there's actually something really exciting about it because the, the canvas is blank. It's completely free. It's completely open. And it really is depending on how you play your cards now. You shape what things are going to look like in two, three, four, five, six months. There's something kind of exciting about that. And, you know, because it's natural to be moping about what you have lost, you need it's not enough to say just don't do it because it's like well thanks no i was doing it because it was fun you know it, you do it because you don't that's where your mind goes yeah but if you give your mind something else to play with specifically something exciting something to look forward to something that you are it's new adventures yeah, exactly it's like start and they don't have to be relationship adventures at all they can be anything you know they can be about spending more time doing an activity you badly always wanted to try and never got to can be you know three million different things go for a damn trip on your own travel you know travel makes time go so much faster because you feel that you experience so many more things so if uh, if it's true that time tend to heal wounds travel does wonders for that because it feels like you have lived through three years of life during a one-month trip and don't go trying to replace that person immediately right in any sense right you don't try anything it's like well it when, happens when it happens it happen? but it's it's gonna happen when it happens exactly anyway. it's yeah. nothing you can force yeah or and again my usual advice that's illegal in 49 and a half states here it comes if it comes for just pure sexuality i'm a big fan of the notion of supporting patronizing the local cool girls if that's where it's at hey you know do what you got to do but uh, I guess that had to help getting over feeling, oh, oh my Lord. It's like, it didn't help Lamar over. Well, what was their, our story of, uh, there was a great story that we covered at some point of some dude who wanted to kill himself and decided to go to Mexico. He spent all his money on, on hookers on, and on blow. Hook, exactly. And after and that, he was like, well, life is awesome. Why am I... <laughs> So, yeah, if you are in one of the 49 and a half states where it's illegal in the U.S. or in any other country, please do not take our advice literally or get creative, do whatever you want. But we're not lawyer, your lawyer, so we shall take no responsibility when you are fired in some uh, illegal brothel uh, tied up by the local thugs. <laughs> but, yes. So, aren't you glad you asked about relationship advice? I feel a new adventure coming on already. Nice.
Well, there you have another fine episode. The Funky Music Means we're done for this time. But that was a mighty fine effort stepping into the new year. Absolutely. New possibilities. New studio that we're recording in. Goodbye, Culver City. We are... I'm in a new home. Lots of changes. You know what we discovered? There was no light coming into the old house. We lived kind of up against a hill. No, that's one of my... I'll never have a house that doesn't have nice sunlight again. I think south-facing for the rear of the house is the way to be. The sunlight all day in the back of the house. Oh, it's so much better. My mind amuses me. Rather than... I was trying to look for... That's one of my deal breakers, the the light situation. Sure. And I got stuck with Latin. It's like... Conditio sine qua non, which is like the way it's, you know, but I'm like, why the fuck I can't put it in English? Oh, and I have to tell you, sorry, we continue the episode, I guess. There's, under the file, my mind is a stranger thing. This morning I woke up and I could not get it out of my head with the Mexican national anthem in my head, which I don't think I've, I wasn't even aware that I knew it, but somehow apparently I do. Watch a lot of international soccer games? Not even. Just completely randomly Mexican national anthem in my head for the entire morning. And the only way has been to be able to kick it out of my head has been by playing a song by a group called, I think you mentioned them to me, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Andrew Jackson Jihad. Oh, yeah. Yes. A song entitled Fuck White People that I thought was absolutely hilarious. The lyrics are comical. And uh, so it was, uh, this morning was... Uh, Mexican National Anthem and Fuck White People. No, having a good Cherokee wife, I know exactly why those boys feel that way. Those were the things stuck in my head, but in any case, sorry for the interruption. No, no, we've been fighting leafy sea dragons, half the population was nearly destroyed, dumped for no reason, survivor's remorse, um, it's been... It's been quite the eclectic little uh, spin. We got good stuff going, definitely. Um, We have no folks to thank because we're recording back-to-back, so I'm sure there are sweet people who donated in the meantime, but we haven't had a chance to check that. Uh, The list will be longer the next time. Thank you guys so much to those of you who do donate. It's always deeply appreciated. Uh, Also, as usual, Taoist Lecture Series, if you want seven hours plus of uh, yours truly waxing lyrically about Taoism. And who wouldn't? uh, Why not? It's ten bucks. Not a big deal. And um, thank you to Curacao Chocolate. Hey, Valentine's Day will be coming up, so start thinking about those folks if you want to get some of their fine chocolates for your sweet half. Uh, and what else Audible always uh, Audible affiliate sometimes they sponsor our episodes sometimes they stay as an affiliate if you need audiobooks check them out and what else thank you to Daisy House any other thank you random I think that's good beautiful off to 2016 kicking ass let's make it a good one everybody
and so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great, fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. We've been yeah, having a great hour here. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.